All right, here we go. Today we are uh, just, a, this is, I would like to think of this as a mini-series just the next, uh, over the next three weeks. So we'll still meet in here over the next uh, three weeks talking a little bit, of, not Advent specifically, but Advent adjacent uh, and how these concepts and how the ministry of Christ filled a lot of what we are anticipating, though not exactly how we were anticipating it, how Advent was fulfilled in the ministry of Christ. And, um, and again, that'll be the next three weeks, uh, and then we are off uh, for Christmas Eve Sunday, and then uh, the following Sunday after that, which is New Year's Eve, so we'll take a two-week break there, but we're here together for the next three weeks. Um, I don't know how many of you have siblings. I have a sibling. I have an older brother. My wife has a sibling, also an older brother. And then my sons, two boys, obviously they have uh, a sibling too. They have each other. And what I find interesting about siblings, and many of you I'm sure know this or have experienced this yourself, uh, certainly true of the people I just mentioned, is that though you have a sibling and though they grow up in the same household, though they're exposed to the same uh, um, upbringing, uh, the same foods, the same schools, the same churches, all the, they, yet they end up vastly different, uh, substantially different. My sons, though they are, what is going on next door? Man, this is exciting. I want to go, go in there. Uh, my sons, though they were, again, brought up under the same circumstances, uh, they're not drastically but there are some noticeable differences. For instance, one, I don't know how this happens, truly, it must be genetic, that one will eat just about anything. The other has so many hang-ups. Like yesterday, we, we, uh, we ordered some subs from Jersey Mike's, uh, and he, the, he ordered a, my youngest son ordered a pepperoni and bacon sub. The only thing on it was lettuce and mustard. That's it. That was the only thing on there. Meanwhile, the other that and just even that in and of itself, that's like that's pretty gross. Yet <laughs> that's that's the flavor that he he wanted to uh, uh, to satisfy. My other son, he's you know just give me everything. I want it. I want it with the works. Everything on it. So I, I don't know how that happens. One of my children is is a little bit more shy. The other one uh, is we used to joke as a as a little kid. We used to call him Mr. Mayor because he had no problem just going up to anyone and everyone, uh, wanting to 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 sort of lead the parade. And my brother. And I also very similar, uh, but some stark differences too. He's he's probably smarter than I am, but that's okay because I'm more handsome than he is. So, <laughs> why are you laughing? That's not funny. <laughs> Again, same thing. One is a little bit more shy. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more outgoing than he is. He never got in trouble. I sometimes got in trouble. Uh, same parents, same home, same upbringing, different results. Tracy, Tracy and her brother. Uh, let me tell you how they not possibly be more different. I'm not even sure if you saw them even standing side by side, and never mind spending five, ten minutes, never guess that they were related. Never, never. I'm not sure how that happens. Tracy is, is a little bit of country, and her brother's a little bit of rock and roll. Does anyone know that reference? A few people? Okay, bonus points for you. Uh, do you who, who said that? Donnie and Marie Osmond. Yeah, okay, Donnie and Marie Osmond. Okay, would you like to? I'm a little bit of country. All right. Today, you could say we're going to examine a few siblings and also make note of how they're very, very similar, and in some cases, how they're very, very different. Now, I told you we're talking about temptation. I'm circuitous how we get there, but just because we're starting off with siblings. Okay? Um, we're going to look at the... the out of, of, uh, of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And again, it's going to take us a minute to get there. Okay? Because think about this account. 
You might read through the account of Jesus tempted in the wilderness and think, wow, that's a good story, but miss so much else that's baked. That's why I'm tying it back. So four and also Luke chapter four. We're going to look at the Matthew four account. Uh, but again, it's going to take us a minute to get there. But here's where I want to start. I want to carry this idea out of, uh, of siblings a bit further. Many of you probably don't think of Jesus having siblings, right? But, but, we're, but, but he did. We often say that he had half brothers. Come on in. We have half brothers, four that are mentioned in the scriptures. Many sisters whose names weren't mentioned in the scriptures and we say he had half brothers and half sisters because they came same mother as Jesus that's why we say he had half brothers and sisters but not the same father however do you ever think about Jesus having other siblings that came from the same father not the same mother the same father you have the many puzzled faces that I see across here uh, across the, the landscape here. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Who were the other siblings that came from the same father? You, you, that Jesus is the son of God, right? Jesus is the son of God. But in the Bible, is there anyone else called the son of God? Huh? Adam. Did you know the Donnie and Marie reference? I have a trophy for you afterwards. Look at this. This is, uh, this, is, this is how the genealogy in Luke ends, okay? It's often easy to burn through these genealogies and think, oh my goodness, why is this even here? Look, look, there's how the genealogy ends. The son of Enos, this, we started all the way at, at, at Joseph and Mary, and we've worked all the way down. The son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God the son of God. Are you beside yourself? Someone else in the scriptures other than Jesus who's referred to as the son of God. Adam, son of God, just like Jesus. Was there anyone else who was referred to as the son of God? Now we're at the $60,000 question. Anyone else in the scriptures referred to as the son of God? If you get this one, the Donnie and the Marie and Adam, uh, you win. Melchizedek was a priest in the order, uh, or Jesus was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. I mean, you're almost, there's, there, is a, there is a closely related tie to that. There's actually a couple of acceptable answers to the question, but the answer that I'm looking for comes from Exodus 4, to 23. This is where God gives Moses instruction on how he's to go into Pharaoh's court, and he's going to make a specific request. What was a specific request when Moses went into the court of Pharaoh? Let my people better come on <laughs> I, I didn't give you a good key that's true I, i'll give you that okay notice how it's phrased the first time i want you to notice this this is exodus 4 22 to 23 then you shall say to pharaoh thus says the lord israel is my Ta -da. and i say to you let my son go that he may serve me if you refuse to let him go behold i will kill your firstborn son. He calls the people of Israel his firstborn son. Now, not to throw you for a loop, but as many of you know, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, we're told that for God so loved the world that he gave his 
only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How does the Bible get away with God and it calls Israel the Son of God and now Jesus? How does the Bible get away with that? For those of you that have been with me for any amount of time at all, whether in this class or reading some of the Bible studies that we help assemble, one of the things to relate to you over and over again, because probably like me, a lot of you grew up with sort of a, a split between the Old and the New Testament, that this is how it was working in the Old Testament, now something new comes along in the New Testament. That couldn't be further from the truth. The entire Bible, Old and New Testaments, is the entire counsel of God. And everything that happens, you know what I'm going to say, right? Everything that happens in the Old Testament does effectively what? Points to something in the New Testament, specifically Jesus. Everything, and this is what, if you want to study Luke 24... This is what Jesus himself is talking about uh, with, uh, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Everything, every psalm, every proverb, every prophecy, every historical narrative points us to Jesus. So, when we talk about Israel being the son of God, or Adam being the son of God, what you have to think of is that, yes, they were pointers to the son of God. They were shadow figures of what would be the son of God. So they are like, they are types, we would say in, in theological terms, types of the one who is the actual, okay? Um, uh, let's see, uh, leave off here. Okay, uh, so again, of Jesus, and we seldom think of, uh, of, uh, of having these types of siblings, okay? As I mentioned, you start, I, have a, I have a sibling, He's 20 months older than me, and we were really close growing up. We had our moments, of course, but we get along very well now. Um, now, it's almost unheard of today. My, my brother and I grew up, we were referred to what was called, uh, we were latchkey kids. Do you know what a latchkey kid is? We would literally come home to an empty house. We would leave school. We'd either walk home. We lived in California at the time, and so there were so many budget cuts, there weren't even school buses. So that was one of the things they did away with. And so we either walked home or we rode our bikes home, unlocked the, 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 uh, the door and came in. For, so there was a period of about three hours every day where we were uh, alone. Now, what we were told to do was come home. We were supposed to get ourselves a snack and then sit down and start our homework. That's what we were supposed to do, okay, in reality. We get ourselves a snack, and then Lord of the Flies. It was basically, <laughs> I, I don't know how this was ever allowed, okay? I remember playing outside, outside doing whatever, everything, everything we wanted to be doing, whether it was, you know, kickball or, or playing with the other guy or whatever. Meanwhile, the house is a wreck inside. Stuff is everywhere. Beds no homework even started, nothing like that. And we would, we'd be playing outside and we'd see all the way at the end of the block, my parents worked for the same company, so that was convenient, they could, they could commute together. We would see their little yellow Honda Civic, bright yellow for us to see, turn the corner. And again, it was a good maybe quarter mile down the way, we're like, oh no! <laughs> and we would run inside and we would start, you know, cleaning everything up, putting things away, quickly make our beds. By the time they got in and by the time they drove all the way down the block, parked the car in the driveway, gathered their things, and came into at our desks doing our homework. 
okay, and the point there, uh, my parents knew what was going on. I'm going to illustrate here. Again, still talking about these, this idea of siblings. I told you it's going to be circuitous how I get there. If you remove the protective element of parental authority, if you remove the protective element of parental authority, what happens? Chaos. And in many cases, destruction. We, we played with fire. <laughs> because, just as I said a moment ago, we're sinful beings. We are sinful beings. And if God, if God pulls his hands away for just a moment, just a moment, that's all he has to do, pull his hands away for just a moment, we resort to sin every single time. This is what we do. There's a verse in, in uh, 1 John that details for us a description of sin. It says this in John, uh, 1 John 2.16. This is the apostle encouraging the reader not to succumb to the temptations of the world, not to love the world, love the things of God. And he says this, 1 John 2.15-16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, this is sort of parenthetical, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So look at those things real quick. He desires the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. What John just did there was categorize for us all the ways we sin. He, this is all the ways we sin right here. All the ways that we can sin probably distilled down into one of those three categories. Desire of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's take a moment to examine what that means. And we're going to do that by looking at Jesus' siblings that we mentioned, okay? Let's go all the way back to Adam. And what was, the, what was it that the, we've talked about this in recent weeks, I think. What was it the serpent told our original parents? This is Genesis 3, 1 and following, okay? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast. All right, remember, I'm going to go back. Remember, this is what we're looking for here. See if you can pick them out. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. Okay, this is where things start to go off the rails for him, right? Notice what Eve says here. She's not saying, uh, she says, says what? She adds something to it. Don't touch it. Did God say don't touch it? say that, but, but uh, again, she's, she's, it's like she's adding an additional safeguard. What, what, what harm is there in that? I'm just trying to make sure I don't do the thing that I'm not supposed to do. Well, who is God? Who is God in this circumstance? Who, who, who is the authoritative figure here? It's God. Authoritative. It doesn't need help. So therefore, I wouldn't mess with it, right? Here's what goes from bad to worse. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's the temptation there? What what thing evil? You won't die. You won't die. You'll be like God. Okay, remember, these are the three things we're looking for here. We didn't define them. We haven't said exactly what they are. Uh, we said by way of the, uh, the Apostle John, these three things. What do you suppose we mean? Let's start, I'm going to start with the pride of life. What do you suppose we mean by the pride of life? My life. My life. Right. Okay. In other words, it's sometimes, for instance, if I have, if I have a, a pride in, in, the, in, in maybe something that my son did, like for instance, years ago, we, we used to have a, we still have a, a dog. We, have, we had two, now we have one. But we, the dogs figured out a way to let themselves in the house. They'd be in the backyard and they, they can jump up on the back door, move the, the lever doorknob and push and, and come in. All right? Pretty, pretty clever. Um, but then what would happen is when they would come in, just fling wide open. And 100 out of 100 times, if that door was flung open, it was either myself or my wife would get, you know, if we're at the table there, would get up to shut the door. Every single time, every single time. Well, one day, the door flung open because the dog came in. My son got up from the table and pulled the door shut. And I said, what are you doing? (laughs) I closed the door. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. I nearly passed out. (laughs) Why? I was so proud of him in that moment because he saw, some, he saw a need in the house that was supposed to be taken care of and he took it upon himself to do it. As small as it was, you know, those of you raising children, you know, these are, these are monumental victories when you get them to do something outside of themselves, right, to care for the needs of the house. I, I took great pride in that moment, but that's not the pride we're talking about here, right? What is the pride that we're talking about here? It's more, what'd you say? What's that? To, looking forward to what you're looking forward to hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Again, what we're talking about here in terms of pride is more me, me focused, me focused, right? Uh, again, actually, the pride of life, Eve was, was tempted with the idea of Eve, would you like to be like God? Would you, would you like to be like God? Actually, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to be like God. Verse 6 and following. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what, what is the desire of the flesh? Desire of the flesh is looking to satisfy your own desires at the expense of God's desires. Okay? God said, don't eat from the tree. But hey, this, this is good for food. I need food. Right now, the desires of my body are greater than, the, than God's desires, but, but it doesn't end there, there. What does it say next? Continue with verse 6. And that it was a delight to the eyes. It was a delight to the eyes. Desire of the eyes. She sees something. She's envious of it. She covets it. And coveting is always the gateway to sin, it seems. All right? And then, and that the, the tree was to be desired to make one wise, She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her stupid husband who was with her, and he ate it too. He ate it too. Now, it's the trifecta of sin all in one. If you were trying to ascertain which is it, the pride of life, it's all of them. It's all of them, all in one. All the trappings of sin, they gave 
pride. Jesus' ancient siblings were unable to say no to these things. And in the same way, Jesus' other siblings, we also mentioned the, the nation of Israel. Do you see that, by the way? Do you see how that is? Again, these, this is miraculous how this sort of works out. Again, 1 John, the Apostle John mentions these all the way in his epistle, almost at the end of the Bible, and it ties right back to the original sin of, of the garden. All three of them are right there. All three of them. That's why I say this is almost we can unpack this. And every sin, somehow, you either tie back to pride or, more explicitly, lust of the, the, uh, the eyes, the flesh, uh, or pride of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When as a parent, we're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm trying to protect you. Right. And, and that's, it's right there. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. You know why? Because uh, that, uh, I'm probably going to uh, stir up something here, but here, here goes. Um, there's a lot of talk in society right now about the concept of power. As something bad, as something uh, uh, evil and that no one should have power. This is, these, these are talking points of the society. Uh, distinguishing demarcation. world defines as power. The speaks of authority, and we tend to have this. The two. Authority, as God designed, is not, to meant, is not meant to be used as an overlord, overlording power. It is meant to be protected. Within the church is exercising, whether you, you pick the word, authority or power, if they're exercising it in such a way that it, that it is harmful, that it is not protective, not the authority of the Bible. It's very different. And so, again, I want, I want I, if I could encourage the church in one, in one respect to, to say, uh, think about this, because authority is a biblical concept. But again, authority, as the Bible defines it, is always protective. It is, all, it is never self-seeking. It says, you first, you before me, and I'm going to use my authority, my power, however you want to say it, to protect you, your good, for your good. That's where, that, that's where that concept starts to get uh, uh, conflated there. And, and, it's, and sometimes it's difficult to see. We can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have to have authority. We ha- you know why? Because authority is reflective of, of who God is, who Jesus is with his body, his, the body of Christ. We are called to reflect that, be reflectors of that. But we have to do it the way he did it. All right? Uh, that, was, that was for free. That was a, a bonus. Um, it is now 11.23, and I haven't begun to talk to you about Israel. Something I want to be mindful of, technically, our learning group hour uh, goes from 10.30 to 11.30. Oh, excuse me, 10.30 to 11.20. We're supposed to allow 10 minutes for those of you that have uh, children to not leave our, 
our kids workers stranded or our special, special, our special needs folks. Don't leave them because 10 minutes, they're dying on the vine if we, if we stay in here too long, okay? So we want to be more, we don't have to hurry to get to the service anymore, but we do have to be mindful of our, our kids workers and our uh, special needs workers. So uh, I have six minutes before we hit 11.30. Do you want me to put a pause on it now and we continue talking about Israel next week? Is that, is that okay? Is that acceptable to you? So let's, let's pause there. It'll be a little bit of a short one today. But again, we spent time in prayer this morning and that is ne- I'm never going to apologize for that. So think about that. Think about just what we've gone, gone to. We, we set it up with the idea of siblings, that there are siblings. There are shadows in the Old Testament of the siblings or the sons of God that were ultimately fulfilled in, in Jesus okay? Think about this. Adam, the first to be setting up for. If he's the shadow, what does the shadow point to? The shadow points to the perfect one, the one who would do it right, the one who would do Christ. But I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint. You can look at the temptation of Christ, go look at the passage in Matthew 4, and examine that and see if you find, I'm about to give it all away right here, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. See what you find in those three temptations of Christ. There's your hint for next week, and we'll, we'll dig it up a little bit more next week, okay? If you have any other questions, uh, please come to me. I'll be happy to to, uh, answer any of those. But for now, let's pause there. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you that you, you brought your son into this world to do all the things that we could do for the sake of giving us his inheritance, for taking our sin and giving us his inheritance. What a miracle. Father, help us to marinate in that, to understand it, and to reframe our lives around that idea so that we are a different people, so that we leave here different people and we, we can't help but tell the world about it. We thank you for your son, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, go with God.